Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Tiefertiller back with another Service Management Leadership Podcast. We have Rob Ackershook. Rob is a ITIL 4 expert. He's also an expert in merging different frameworks together. And that's why I wanted to have him on here. So I'm excited to have him on. With that, all ado, Rob, how's it going? Thank you, Jeffrey, for the introduction. Yeah, it's going fine. Thank you very well. Uh, I'm getting used to work uh, remote from home, and I can work with a lot of customers that way, so it works out fine. And but you're right; it's not just ITIL. It's basically, yeah, I'm working with and different frameworks. It's it's DevOps, it's Scrum, it's Agile development, it's Safe, Skilled Agile framework, of course, COBIT, ITIL, uh, of course, IT for IT, Furism. You get you get a P. And of course, we have still PM Borg for traditional project management. So you have to blend it all together, right? Not to forget NIST from security perspective and ISO, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's all needed uh, to run an efficient uh, digital delivery model. But uh, further, we probably discuss that later as well. Yeah. And the, the part about that that's interesting is there's no one size fits all. And I, I you and I spoke about this earlier is I use what we do as an art, not a science because there isn't a prescription where you could say, okay, do two of these, three of these, four of these, and you'll be great, right? You're right, absolutely right. On the other hand, if, if you look with a, to other a lot of organizations, what practice they actually use, it's, it's a limited set of actually that really are used, of course. Mm -hmm. So you have like many different practices that are used by specific practitioners, like the architect community, they use, for example, TOGAF, right? From the project management community uses PMBOK, PRINCE2, the service management community, ITIL, but the security community uses their own, like maybe the NIST or COBIT and from RISC. So everyone has their own practice, let's say, and development, they use Scrum and Kanban and Skilled Agile Framework. So I guess it's depending on where you are in your IT organization, you use different practices and concepts. So that's all good. But of course, eventually it's one integrated value stream. So we need to work all together. And in reality, there's only a few that's actually basically the foundation, like ITIL or IT service management, DevOps, uh, Skilled Agile concepts. They are typically used together to build that overall model. And, uh, and, and then you have some niche areas for TOGA, for the enterprise architecture, which is very important from an architecture perspective. But you're right, we need to blend them together because eventually it's all about an end-to-end -end digital delivery model. So you have to be clever of how do you create that yeah, so-called operating model, right? Oh, yes. And you brought up something that, that always triggers me a little bit. And that is how uh, everybody gets promoted because they are a SME in their expertise area, right? And yep. now the organization has to take a big picture view and say, we got to merge all this together somehow, right? Because the architects aren't going to go, no, you're right. Togat's yeah. not any yeah. good. Let's adopt something else. You know, right. they're going to stick to what they know. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and that makes sense, right? For each kind of specialist area, you have specific practices. Uh, and, and then we talk about security risk, uh, architecture, development, maybe, and, and even in areas like for security operations, there are specific uh, capabilities. And maybe for test management, you have test-driven development methodology. So that's all good. But eventually, these are, these are maybe not really frameworks, but more like practices you use. And eventually, the end-to-end -end delivery model, they use some of those practices, but it doesn't determine how you actually work in often, right? You need to 
because how, how, for example, demand is raised in your IT organization, how you prioritize your demands, how you then get funding for this and it's implemented and then released and used in production. I mean, it's typically not that you see this end-to-end -end flow suddenly by a combination of all those uh, um, uh, practices together. You need to really design that. And uh, it is probably specific to all organizations. Um, oh, yeah. and, and you don't get it from a, from a, from a let's say, a cookbook that says, so this is how you run IT at this moment, at least not. And that's why Rob stays so busy. So let's talk about <laughs> you, Rob. You've yeah. been in the service management field for a long time. How did you get started down this journey? Yeah, so after my, I, I did, uh, my, my, my university study was about business and IT together. And so, and, so that's really a, a nice uh, study. But then I started working for a consultancy organization and somehow I ended up uh, in, initially in the development space. And in that point, they called it rapid application development. So develop uh, in a short period of time, let's say within two months, a solution to solve a business problem. So I was initially more on the development space. Um, but after a while, I, I moved into uh, projects to implement service management uh, systems, like service management, the service desk, what they call it at that point, only as help desk systems. But nowadays, that grows into CMDB, monitoring, security. And, and uh, during the, my journey, I, I end up with all those IT management-specific disciplines. So I was implementing risk management in one part, or, or cost and financial management for IT, or enterprise architecture solutions. So, over the years, I, I was involved in many of those areas for service management, but also IT management broader sense. So I, I've rolled, gradually I rolled into that IT management space, uh, which is basically not that uh, fancy if you compare it to the build business applications, right? Uh, it's, it's typically, I, I always call it like a, more like the seller of IT, right? It's below this the ground almost like, and it's it's not that sexy in most cases, right? But it's so fundamental for delivering successful IT services. And, but I think that is the origin of uh, the problem in the market that business services, like real uh, sexy business services are very important and interesting. And we spend a lot of investment in there from a architecture perspective and make things work. But IT management, I think is still, we, we talk about it because we are in this space, but from an end-to-end -end perspective, it's not that high on the high priority list, right? So, but right. I hopefully it's changing that they see, oh, IT management is become a, a critical capability to improve IT in a whole. And if you don't have that successfully set up, then you will not successful in your business as well. Mm -hmm. But today, I would say the maturity of IT management, I will cover that later, I guess, in this conversation, is not that high. There's a and we show, we, I can give some examples, but it's probably the maturity is still low, although we believe there's a lot possible today, but it's, it's, it's still not that good, I would say. All right, I have two follow-up questions for you. Yeah. One is, and this is more of a statement, but I think it's because uh, innovation is rewarded in the technology space or right. delivery or things of that nature and the IT management part are the SLAs and, you know, the other side. What do you, yeah. and that's how it's viewed. I mean, do you agree or disagree? Do you think I'm off on that? No, correct. It, 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 and in that sphere, right? Because it's really about the business service you deliver and the value for the customer. So that's important, right? And nowadays we call them all those customer journeys. We need to optimize. So that's important. 
but this supporting this, like the underlying processes, like call them the service management processes and the tooling, and is typically not that interesting for a lot of uh, executives, right? Because they assume it's in place, right? Like the CMDB for is a good example always, right? It, we have never had a CMDB, this have been up to date. But if you're gonna talk, talk to the executive, say, we need to solve this, they look at you, come on, we did already five, six times a project to improve that CMDB. Why, why do we need to invest more in those um, areas? And, and of course they invest in a lot of areas like test management and continuous delivery and monitoring, but still they don't, I, I don't think executives really understand the end-to-end -end picture of what is all needed to run an efficient IT organization, which is, and it's fair, right? Because it's pretty complex. I show this on the background here, but actually if you think about the IT management landscape, just talk about tools here, right? For now, there's so many vendors in this market that provide solutions in this area. And this shows you, this is a dynamic market with many different players, with many different tools. This is what, what the challenge is to run an IT organization, right? If you think about it, if you have a larger IT organization, you need over hundred different tools to manage your IT estate from development, testing, security, cost management, compliance, uh, monitoring, of course, the CMDB, license management, your contracts, uh, enterprise architecture, whatever, it's, it's complex. And there's nothing in this picture or this, you cannot, you can reject, right? Just you, you need testing. You cannot say, I don't need a good um, uh, test management system or a good CMDB, or I don't need monitoring. So it, that's the challenge you need over. And that's what ITIL 3 had, right? There's so many processes or practices. And with ITIL 4, we got, I think, 34 different practices. And, and there's even more, right? So it's IT management is, and that's important to realize, is not simple, it's complex. I, I talk sometimes with architecture community from another business domain, let's say, so I call this IT for IT, right? The IT management tooling process to run IT. So IT to run IT, IT for IT. Now, if you think about other business domains like HR or finance, that, that, that landscape is much simpler. And, and even the CRM. So I, sometimes if you look at a, a, a landscape of, 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 call this a domain or an architecture domain, then this is a very complex domain compared to many other domains. So we should not underestimate the complexity of IT management, and, but it's, it's a fundamental to get your digital delivery uh, in place. Yes. And, and many so, organizations struggle with this, right? It's oh, really yeah. a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I want to get into the digital delivery, but that one thing yeah. you said that was really interesting in it, so of course, don't take this wrong, but of course yeah. IT people are gonna say, yes, let's bring in more IT tools. <laughs> Where the yeah. HR people are gonna say, technology? No, we need more human capital. And uh, I don't mean to, to poke at that, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Technology people love technology. True. Yeah, and, and that's a challenge, I think, with IT management, eh, IT for IT, because IT is managed by IT people, and IT people think that they can choose their own tools because they know IT and they can implement their own tools if they need to. And that's what happens, right? You see this picture on the background. Um, teams develop, select their own backlog tools, their own testing, their own deployment tools. And so we get, uh, we, we get that def many different ways of working with an IT organization because the technology teams, maybe the network team selects their own network management tools, the operations team has their own security, has their own seam, uh, the architect, they select their own architecture repository, the PPM or the PPMO, the project management office selects their own PPM solutions. So everybody is keen on their own solutions. 
But actually, if you think about it, this whole end-to-end -end digital delivery chain is pretty complex. And indeed, uh, teams tend to, to select their own tools. And, 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 but in reality, there's a lot of rationalization simplification possible in this. If, if you call this a DevOps tool chain, uh, if you think about tools, you can simplify a lot, absolutely. All right, so we've danced around this. I want to jump in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A few yeah. months ago, you pinned an excellent uh, post in LinkedIn called the Evolving Digital Delivery Model. Right. Can you explain more about that? Yeah, I just highlighted here on the background a bit. So that picture you're referring to. Yeah, so what I did is try to, to look at what has been evolving the last few years in the IT operating model. So, and what I mean by that, the operating model is a discussion a lot of organizations have because many organizations are currently modifying the operating model in one way or another. And you see there's a lot of things going on and this picture tries to illustrate. So you think about how the organization is evolving, how we organize ourselves or how we deliver like continuous delivery or even how we source services. In the traditionally, we had large software deals or subcontracting deals and now we want to sourcing specific services because they we have the expertise we need. So it's like smaller, uh, it's becoming self-service, self-help. So I tried to, to group together what are the key changes happening in the operating model and uh, which is related sometimes to the architecture model is changing like that we go from monolithic application to maybe container based microservices component based so we can easily deploy services uh, the, the, the way we, we, we support applications is, and services changing as well. In the past, we had the traditional service desk, first line support, second line, third line, that tier based support model. You know, we need to think about that differently because we might need to think about if you have a portal and you, and you have an issue, you can directly resolve it through uh, maybe self-help or directly route it to the team that can actually solve it. Or nowadays they call that swarming, that we can bring the right people together immediately to solve an issue instead of first having a person looking at it so it's not me goes to the network team the network team is not me goes to the database team says not me uh go to the network cloud team and actually we come back and say oh, it's a combination of things that goes wrong often right um or it's with the vendor so you you see that many organizations are str struggling with this so i try to categorize what kind of changes do we see in the operating model uh, which also covers the new ways of working like DevOps, continuous delivery. But the real challenge is, is, is this kind of combination you see in the back. The real challenge is that it's a hybrid model. So we're not all running in the cloud. We're not all doing DevOps. We're not doing continuous delivery. We don't have uh, all microservices or container-based applications. We, we still have the mix. And that's the real challenge. We have a mixture of old, well, old is maybe not the right word, different ways of working in the same organization. So we have SaaS applications in the cloud. We still have traditional custom-built software. We have packages still running. We got cloud native, which is really about the newest, but, and that's, I think, the, where most people forget that when they talk about DevOps, it, sometimes you go to a DevOps conference and they all talk about software engineering. Well, in most cases, organizations don't want to develop software. They want to consume a service like a SaaS application. So, they don't want to build customized software. They want to consume standard market services. So a lot of DevOps models, they talk about custom built software. And that's not per se needed, but that's what typically the examples they show you, java.net. So the reality is of course much different. The reality is 80% is package based, maybe more SaaS. So you need to cater for that in your delivery model. 
And I'm not saying that DevOps is not good for that. Actually, DevOps can, you can do a SAP application management with DevOps, right? But that's typically how we managed SAP in the past as well, right? Typically like a smaller team around SAP, but okay. But the real challenge is that hybrid environment and not everything is um, all those fancy engineering that we talk about with, with the portals and custom mobile apps. We have 80% is just regular IT, but we need to manage it very efficient, effectively. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The other piece to that is there's vendors everywhere, right? Every, vendors are touching every piece of that, and I think as technology is evolving, we are going to be more out of the box. We are going to, yeah. we're you know these people with the custom developers in house. That's that's not going to be as mainstream. I mean, in some industries, yes, but that's not going to be as mainstream, right? No, I guess we need to recognize, sorry that I disrupt, but a lot of organizations believe now they're the IT company, like banks and financial institutions. But I would say, no, you're not. Your, your product is not an IT product. Your product is a banking product and, or an insurance product. That's your product. And so you're not an IT company. So you, although IT is very essential, but you should not say I'm delivering. It's no, no, no. Your business is a different business. And even with Netflix and uh, those kind of companies, not IT is not their differentiator, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at Netflix, it's really fancy, but every, everybody can create nowadays those 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 app where they can consume video services, right? It's not that's not the differentiator. It's the content they provide. It's the network they have. And, and it's their market product. And it's the same with um, those organizations. It's not IT the differentiator. And, and Uber, it's not their IT that differentiates them. It's their market model because everybody can build nowadays a mobile app to do uh, requesting those kind of services. There's even open source products that do similar things there, right? So IT is a differentiator, but if you're not an IT company. You're, you're, you make money with, uh, in banks and financials, but any company is not an IT company. And they should not say I'm IT. And, and even, even organizations like banks, they believe that software engineering is very important to them. I'm not saying it's not important, but think about the features they have on the mobile app. One bank has a mobile app and the other bank. So you build a feature earlier, but you know the other app will have the same. I don't see that much difference in my mobile experience between the different banks, right? So. And, and of course we talk about customer experience, but what's really important is not the individual IT that works well, the end-to-end -end customer journeys that they experience, right? It's not about the features that you get in a mobile app. It's really about the full experience that a customer has with the engagements. It's not just mobile, it's maybe on the website, it's everything, right, together. And that's the real challenge that most organizations need to figure out. IT is not a separate, it's not an it's not 100 different applications. It's a, integrated set of technologies that need to work together. And that's where DevOps problems comes in, right? It's not about 100 DevOps teams that develop their own products. It's really about how do we all work together as these teams to make our business with the, with the customers work? Yeah, um, and what you, what you touch on is, is the same thought process, in my view, that's happening in the infrastructure world. Companies, yeah. large companies are saying, we're not in the data center business. Let's just outsource it all to AWS, Azure, whatever. Right. I mean, a huge bank here in the U.S., uh, Capital One, went all went no data center. They they made that their mission like three or four years ago. And all I'm saying is, that's on the infrastructure side. It's coming on the dev side as well. I think so. Yeah, we often talk about uh, no ops, right? On the other hand, you could say no dev. Why would you? 
and of course you you want to develop because that's where you have your 10% differentiator maybe but the rest is you want to consume market services but you are need to integrate them and that i think you move in from development and and for me that's also development by the way but you talk you move away from software coding to integrating existing market services together and that's your differentiator yeah. if you build a car you don't build the components yourself you compile all the, F, the components in the market in a clever way together and, and and the things you cannot buy and not integrate you need to develop yourself indeed but you need to be an integrator i guess and it's not a new word either right you need right. to be a be a service broker where you can compile services from different organizations and you see that with google google for example provides services for machine learning and you can leverage those components in your own service you don't need to develop ai components yourself or internet of things components you you use a market service for those and then but your real challenge is how do you integrate all those components together like a in 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 a journey for a customer right the stitching them all together stitching together yeah and then working with your vendors in the ecosystem yeah, that's the artistic part that I always talk about because it's it's how do we stitch it together. So digital delivery yeah. is a pain point for many organizations. They uh, are figuring out how do I deliver well, how do I do it timely, cost effectively, all that sort of thing. Why is do you think it's a pain point? Well, yeah, there there are a few reasons why digital delivery in many organizations is a pain point. Right, one of the things that I think is a starting point is. And that's the picture that I show here on the background is that we have never designed the end-to-end workflows in IT and all the tooling and the data and the processes. We just have a bunch of processes implemented and tools and over the time we modified and tweaked it a bit. And, and to illustrate it a bit, how many organizations are not working with monitoring over more than 20 or 15 years, right? And 10 years ago, we talked about business service management and we talked about uh, service models in the CNB. And after 10 years, we've not figured it out. We're still talking about service management and the CMDB and monitoring. Monitoring is not new. We talk about business chain monitoring in the past, but monitoring is still not very well implemented in many organizations. And that's weird because it's not a new space. It's, and the funny thing is that we never have a good plan and architecture for this IT management domain. And I just illustrated with an example of monitoring again. Monitoring, if you go to many organizations, monitoring is not very good. They have different monitors in place for the network, for the maybe the, the, the business application, they have application performance monitoring, some event management, but, that, but the monitoring data doesn't come together in an integrated system where you can do the analytics, do the impact assessment, even where you have a lot of things in place, it's still very limited use. And many applications are not even monitored. So, and now we implement log analytics. Well, you can imagine, but we never integrate and make it work. We just have a lot of investment done the last 10 years in monitoring. But if you go to the maturity of organizations, how well is monitoring implemented? Not that good. Uh, how many uh, in- instances can we detect prior to uh, that, a, that a customer calls the service desk? Well, not that good. Can we measure user experience? No, not that good. Can we even report SLA performance, user experience, um, even, reporting availability of our services is a challenge, right? For many organizations. And so the, why is that? That it is because somehow we never architected this and designed this as a real business uh, domain. So I call this IT for IT domain. You see it in the back here. So this shows you kind of a illustration of the complexity of IT management again. But the challenge is that we never created a good solid architecture and vision, how all these components fit together. 
and and to think about the data because it's just an illustration there's a lot of data that we manage in it right so it's like we have uh, the demands coming in we have projects instant changes backlog items uh, test cases uh, contracts licenses config data that's one of the things we're missing we miss often a good information model to manage our it organization and we need to do a similar practice as we do for our business processes, you know, design, what kind of data do I need in my IT organization? How do I get insight in cost and value? Uh, cost is just another illustration. Um, not many organizations have good insight in the IT cost. Of course, they know they're spent right? because that's in a general ledger, but they don't know what the service costs and, and there's not easy to trace back into the consumption and volumes. So, and, and that is because it's never been designed that way to get this transparency and traceability. So, and I always say transparency and traceability is not that is the outcome of something you design. It doesn't come out by, by itself. Yeah. And, and I think that's the real problem. We need to design this and architect this because otherwise, you know, you don't get a good IT delivery model. But the funny thing is most organizations don't have a solid IT management architecture, but they still have a good IT in general, at least I believe. And it's fair to say that in most organizations, IT is working pretty okay. But it works okay because people work hard. Um, they, if something falls over, we got the right people running around, solve it. Um, and but it's not very efficient. There's a lot of frustration in IT organization. Um, but from the outside, it still looks okay. But that's with a lot of organization. If you go to the inside and look how it's actually done, you say, "Ooh, that, you you could even wonder what that this organization is still alive sometimes, right?" So we do a good job yeah, because we, there's a lot of complexity, but there's so much to improve and there's opportunity to improve. We need to embrace and say, okay, where can we improve? Because there is a need to improve, but maybe I can spend just, a, and because most organizations say, yeah, but uh, we, we, we're not doing a bad job. But, but you think about what's happening now, this picture shows that, that the coming 10 years, right? The number of components in IT is growing dramatically. So, and I'm not saying the number of applications, but just the number of components and services you have in your IT organization will grow. It's based on internet of things, your cloud services, uh, containers. So we're growing complexity, more components, more vendors in the ecosystem, uh, more changes, more releases, more security threats, more vulnerabilities, uh, more compliance issues because, you know, um, uh, uh, regulatory requirements only go up. We need to adhere to more and more. So it's the more and more. And that's the real challenge. If we think that we can manage IT the same way as we have done the last 10 years, forget it. Yeah. That we need to do it differently because more and more, more changes, more product, more services, more consumption, it's more fluctuations, more threats. And, and I'm not saying to, to scare people, but that's the reality, right? It's, it's more and more. And of course people say, no, no, we reduce our, we, we're gonna rationalize our application portfolio. We're gonna live less. Yes, you have less of that old applications, but there is there will never be less because there's no organization that says, I will I will have less IT. No, it's coming more and more. We automate more, we have more automation, we got more components, more. And and that's what we need to realize that we also deliver more with the same people or even less. So we have to become more efficient and effective. Uh, and we we manage that with more vendors. Uh, I mean, if you think about in the past, we had maybe 10 vendors you work with. Now you work with hundreds of vendors. And, and that sounds simple, but the reality isn't, uh, it's really complex. And if you then look at how we manage today, the inter we still send an email to a vendor if there's an issue. We don't have integration with them, just to illustrate, right? So there's a lot to do. 
And I don't want to scare people off, but I think there is an opportunity now to, to simplify and improve your IT and at the same time be able to handle this kind of growth. So, uh, and, and I think that's an essential thing to do. Yeah. Plus, I think the rate, you said growth, I think the rate of growth, yeah. the rate of change is picking up. It's not yeah. slowing down. It, no. And, uh, you know, on all of those facets, it's all picking up. So yes. I, I till four will be disruptive. That's my view. I don't want to push it off on you. Yeah. But it's going to be disruptive for most organizations to implement because the way they're set up is ITIL v3 operations separate from dev for yeah. one instance. But also your tool manufacturers are still set up on ITIL v3. And so this is going to be disruptive. How do you uh, advise organizations taking that step to try to move to ITIL 4? Yeah, it's a good question because you could argue even that many organizations are maybe still in a kind of idle two mode of operations. But if maybe it's good to start where where are many organizations now in their idle v3 journey? Even if you think about it, maybe most organizations have maybe eight processes implemented from idle, right? If you think about the process at least. Um, so we have instant problem change, conflict management, service level management, request fulfillment, and maybe some other processes around it, like service level management, service portfolio. And that's your eight core processes that most organizations have. Um, but now we move into a space that um, we now want to, in, to manage end-to-end. -end. So like here, I see in the back, you want to manage IT in an end-to-end way. ITIL 3 was already stating that, right? What's really about end-to-end, -end, but many organizations didn't implement that end-to-end. So, but, and I think that's the key change is that forget individual processes, right? Forget individual components, but look at the value streams as a whole. And that's where I think ITIL 4 has a major uh, change. So they say, let's move from process to practice, which is a good way to say, don't focus on the process, but look at practices that you're going to consume, but also look at end-to-end -end, uh, workflows. So call them the value streams. And I think that's a key change. So don't optimize instant process or problem or change. It's really about, uh, in, in IT for IT, they call it detect to correct value stream, for example, the value stream of we monitor service, we detect something, we pre try to prevent something and we solve it. So the end-to-end -end or a new employee comes on board, we need to get uh, this person onboarded, get access to the services. So the whole end-to-end -end flow, you need to improve. And I think that's a major change. Uh, that, that most organizations have been around, okay, look at the process, look at a service management tool. And I think another key change is, so that one is the value streams. The other is service management in the past was very much associated with the service management system, right? Mm -hmm. And here's your system and that's what service management is. No, service management today is about portfolio management, your development, your testing, your operations, your security, your compliance, uh, your CMDB, your contracts. It's its much broader than, and of course, in the past, ITO3 had that as well, but we never really looked at it end-to-end -end enough, I would say. One of the reasons was because service management people typically were not aware of what's happening on development. They were people from the op side or service management side. So they feel comfortable. Most service management experts are really comfortable more on the service management part, but they don't know anything about development, how does it actually work, even portfolio management. If somebody comes along with risk and compliance, they look at it, well, yeah, I'm not sure what that's, we need how to embed that or security. So I think, that's a real challenge now. We need to get all these disciplines together, service management, security, finance, uh, portfolio management, business, uh, 
vendor management, uh, that's the architecture, not to forget the architecture community, bring them all together. And that's, I think, the key challenge, bringing people together. And if we don't bring those people together, this end-to-end -end workflows will not work, right? And because in the past, we had a lot of service management processes and they didn't work very well because they were not very end-to-end -end implemented, like change management. Change management was a, probably the process that was problematic for many ITIL-based organizations because you could have a change that is starting after the development is done. It's kind of request for, for release, right? But it's not really the end-to-end -end change process. It's just like after the fact. Um, but really now I think their key major disruption is all these different kind of teams in the or disciplines need to work together. And basically DevOps tries to do the same, right? Bring them all the people together. But I think that's even, you need to do bigger. Bring all these people together to make this end-to-end -end, uh, value streams working for you. The other side I was gonna say is it takes leaders to be able to, to be up high enough to see it all and make it all work. Yes. You know, because what I've been around most of the time those leaders are come from one of those technology domains and so they have their pet that it's hard for them to get up high enough to see it all to put to stitch it all together correct and i think that is one of the challenges i guess that there's end-to-end -end oversight not many people understand what's really going on in the it organization so i think that's a key starter is get a good end-to-end -end bigger picture of how we run IT, because then you will finally realize, oh, that's what's really happening. And um, it's weird that a lot of people don't know that. And it's not, well, maybe it's not that weird. If you are a developer and you are in your development team, you don't understand everything, what's happening on the ops side, right? And the same for the architect community, you know, all that, and security knows their expertise. But but you, you, you know how that's worked, right? For the security, for example, they have implemented a, a SOC security operating center and they get security events in, but suddenly they need to, well, it's linked to an asset, but I have no clue what's running on it. And, um, and, and there they struggle because it only works security operations if it's really tightly integrated with service management, your delivery, your product ownership. Otherwise, how do you manage it? And security to remediation. Right. And I think, and everybody, in their own discipline knows where the gaps are in their own area and they point to other people but that's now they need to solve it together and, and work together on this oh yes and it's it's a big it's a big problem to solve and that's why it, it can't be prescriptive right because it differs on every organization and the talent the tools the vendors of those organizations correct you're, you're right and, and and now you need to bring it together uh, meaning um because everyone has their own expertise and that's I think you need to leverage um, and that's what sometimes you need a person that can uh, coordinate to say can I will look at a bigger picture and get all the people that knows part of it so some the development people ops people security compliance finance work together that's the only way to do it oh, yeah. and of course that sounds logical but I've not seen many organizations doing it actually because they believe they are doing it right but in the reality it's not and, 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 and this picture on the background here is just to illustrate that a bit. There's a lot of data in IT. And typically when you, when you test, you can start easily in your own organization and you ask yourself contracts, just pick one. So it's one of the boxes on this picture here is contracts. And then you ask yourself, okay, where are the contracts managed? Oh yeah, they're in the contract management system. So that's really nice. But do we link those IT contracts for, for, with the vendors to the applications in our application repository or to the CNB? Well, yeah, it's not really linked. No, of course it's not linked. But, no, but that's just a, a symptom of an island, again, in our IT organization. 
And it sounds so uh, simple, but in the reality, this is blocking us, right? That's why the CNB is not up to date because how to get the CNB up to date, you need to link it to your deployment and request fulfillment processes. If somebody deploys something, even if it's a server database, we have to tag it, where does this belong to? Who asked for this? Where, which application is gonna consume this? So we, it needs to be part of the way of working. And, um, but that's the only way to do it because nobody can oversee all this complexity is to work together and identify owners of these areas. Like who's owners, like sort of capability owners for the IT part. So we have uh, people responsible for the financial part of IT and for, for develop, for the portfolio management, for the development, for monitoring. And those people identify those in your IT organization, identify the capability owners, what you think are, and then we need to create a capability model for IT. How many organizations have a good capability model for IT? Yeah, and where you can plot your ITIL practices to? Not very many. Yeah. No, no. And of course, organizations talk about creating an operating model. And many organizations have created an operating model, but it's too high level. It doesn't tell me how do I operate my IT? What capabilities do I have? How is that supported by the right set of tools, the right data, the right integrations? And because eventually, if you, that's about this integration, right? We need to make things flow. And we talk about flow in DevOps, right? Make things flow from a demand into a backlog, into production. But to make things flow, it's a little bit more complex than we actually um, think about in the reality. For many DevOps teams, in, one team can solve this typically by itself. So you see those examples of organizations that they say, I'm very good. I'm going to talk about DevOps and my DevOps and continuous delivery journey. But if you really zoom in, you say, ah, oh, it's actually those two teams only or specific that technology. And then you could argue, well, it's not enterprise level, right? And that's the challenge. So the only, you can, but we make each other, um, it's like a lot of organizations tell how good they are. So they go to states and tell this is what we've done. And then you believe, oh, gee, I'm lagging behind because I cannot do what they do. And I can assure you, they cannot do it either because they only do it in a small domain. And, and within maybe those two applications. And you can easily recognize those by, by if, they, if you ask them, show me your CISD pipeline technologies. And if they show you Jenkins and some other components, you say, well, that's not the full picture, right? That's just a small part of everything. You have much more. And, and I think that's the reality. Um, you know, the good news is, right? You, you're probably not that worse off than other organizations. That's the good news, right? Although you believe that they, oh, we cannot do what they can do. But now, it's still an opportunity for you to to think about this bigger picture. Oh yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah, that <laughs> brings up a conversation of merging frameworks. I think that's the opportunity yeah. you're talking about is how do we merge all of what we do into something that we can do better? And uh, correct. How do organizations? I mean, this is a delivery conversation. It's a transformation conversation. How can we merge those better? Yeah, no, that's a good question because one of the things I think you should start off with, of course, let's maybe start with, there are many different frameworks and models out there. We talked about a few like ITIL, of course, COVID, we have maybe some ISO standards, it's skilled agile framework like SAFE, uh, IT for IT. Nowadays we have Freerism, yeah, for, there's a new for looking at service management um, and, and, and PM book, TOGAF, there's a lot of different practices. And But eventually we talk about an end-to-end -end delivery model we need to implement. 
And, and basically we talk about nowadays our service value chain, right? That we deliver something is something is demand, it flows through the IT organization and generates value. Everybody agrees on that. We need to generate value, manage the cost, manage the risks, right? And uh, we need to optimize our delivery. So I think the good start would be is even stop looking at frameworks initially says what does that end-to-end -end value stream look like right and we know that what kind of capability do we need so we talk about portfolio management on one side we have the demands coming in we have architecture we have development testing so you build a kind of a picture with all the capabilities and then you're going to say and this is just a simple illustration you got your dev and ops what kind of capabilities do i need and then you're going to look what kind of practices can underpin this and I cannot have 20 different practices. So you probably select a few key practices. And in the market, there are eventually only a few, which is your foundation. It's it's ITIL still, it's the DevOps, it's Scrum maybe for us for the development part. It's maybe come some framework for skilled agile like nowadays where we have portfolio backlogs and product backlogs. So you you have like say a few methods that you say, this is where, where my foundation is, is based on. And, and hopefully, I'm also um, participating in the open group with the IT4IT forum. So IT4IT gives you a good uh, sort of reference model to start off with. And then you say, this is what I use with ITIL4. This is where Scaled Agile fits in in this DevOps. And then almost then you can build your model model. And what do I mean by that model is not more initially than showing what, how is my end-to-end -end value stream working with the capabilities and the right set of data and tools and what practices do I need there? And, and of course, there's more. Uh, you have security practices, but that's not, that, that is typically embedded in the way of working. So security cannot be saying, ah, oh, NIST is my security frame or COVID. So no, security needs to be embedded in your way of working. It's part of your design, it's part of your development. So it can never be a separate practice. Uh, of course, you have separate practices for risk management potentially, but eventually you need to understand everything needs to be embedded in that way of working. So you develop something, you're testing, Meaning test also includes security. It also includes risk. It also includes maybe user experience, uh, design thinking, right? So, and that's where you need to be clever uh, because maybe um, combining it together makes it complex as you think, but in reality, we already do most of the things only we don't do it very structured. Uh, and that, that's, uh, but I think start with the bigger picture first and, and look how everything should be working in an ideal world then you can assess how far am I away from that? Because uh, that's one of the challenges. And I, I created a post on LinkedIn this week. What cards are you going to play in 2021? And I created 21 different epics to improve IT. And they're very like, it's your implement service portfolio management, improve the CNDB for once, implement security monitoring, test management, uh, whatever. The problem is there are probably hundreds of things to improve in IT. So the real challenge is, is understand where you are today. It sounds stupid, of course, but it's still a good idle practice and say, we don't understand very well what we need to improve. Of course, we know that we need to improve 20 different things. And we know all these initiatives because most organizations have enough initiative to improve IT. It's the security operations, there may be license management, there's a vendor integration. And not, you mentioned it, we have it, right? But now you really need to take one step back and say, actually, I need to understand where I am in today I need to understand my bigger picture and then I can select the right initiatives to improve and don't implement initiatives by silos because then they fail. Like um, improving monitoring as an example. A lot of organizations have a monitoring improvement initiative, but it doesn't succeed because what they do is select a new monitoring tool. Let's say it's AI ops, nice word, it's artificial intelligence. So they have a new monitoring, 
and then they have run it for a year and there's only five applications or 10 applications onboarded and the others are not onboarded. Why? Because it's not part of the development. It's not part of your release management. It's only a kind of central capability created and then yeah, we need to onboard teams. So it needs to be part of the monitoring way of working. You design teams need to build monitors, your standard logging and so on. But it cannot be a siloed improvement initiative. The same with the CMDB we talked about a few times. CMDB will fail as in a separate initiative. It needs to be part of a flow of work. And, and that's the same with financial for IT. You cannot solve your IT financials if you think that you can create a siloed project for implementation of IT financials. And that's and that's the challenge. Everything is now much so much connected uh, that you really need to take one step back and say, okay, I need to create a bigger picture for my IT organization. How does my digital delivery model gonna look like? What kind of practice are gonna use? Create a kind of high-level blueprint. Don't make it too complex. It's more like a sort of vision, right? And then starting to plot the right set of tools you need, the right set of uh, owners in that area. And then you can start some journeys like, okay, if we move to Azure Cloud, for example, how do we manage that? And how do we do that? So you need to create a number of example journeys because before you know it, we're starting to implement Azure and Amazon. And after three or four years, we're in a nightmare of IT management again. We have no clue what's running out there, what are the costs, because we've never implemented these practices into the way of working for all these new things. And just to give you an example, if you ask an organization, how many SaaS applications do you have? And they they look at, well, I don't know, but I can ask somebody. Now, after a few days, they still don't know because it's not in the seem to be, it's not in the architecture system, it's not in the contract system, well, not easy to find out. So they have to ask people in an email to send it out, build an Excel, and this is, oh, now we have 200 SaaS applications. And this is how we manage IT today, right? Because we are not in control, we let it go. And, 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 and then you should ask yourself, if you listen to this <laughs> session today, do I know how many SaaS applications I have? And if you don't know, it's a, it's a signal, it's a symptom, because you could argue, you should know, because this is for your business, IT, you manage SaaS applications, you should know. And they should be in the same to be, or, and they should be linked to contracts, they should be linked to owners, they should be linked to development teams. And the reason we don't know it is because our fundamental service management is not in place. Well, because what is service management about? Understanding the services, SaaS applications. So at the time that somebody thinks about a new initiative, new idea, register this as a service and then it will be developed. But because we don't follow service management practices, because some people on the development side say that's not what we do, then we never have this foundation. So service management is also catering for the foundation of what are the services, who owns them, where they're running, and it sounds so simple, but in reality, we don't do it. And because we don't have assigned the right accountabilities, because service management is not about ops people. Service management is not about deaf people, it's about who manages all this? Who owns these services, and where are they? And they should be fully accountable. But okay, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's an area. Layer, I would even yeah. layer in the customer view of those services as well. Yeah, absolutely. The customer, yeah. the consumer, needs to make sure that what's being delivered aligns with what they want delivered, right? Yeah. Well, you touched upon a nice one. How many organizations? And we talk about SaaS as an example. How many organizations have a good overview of their services? And that is plotted to the to their customers. And do they have the conversation with the customers? This is what you consume for me. What do you think about these services? And of course, we have it in place, fragmented in different places, but we don't have a good understanding of our service portfolio. And the word service portfolio is a little bit polluted because if you talk about service portfolio management, the development people will talk about, ah, but that's ops, that's service management, right? Uh, and 
they said, no, wait, you need to understand your services. Yeah, but we talk about products. Yeah, the dev teams, DevOps teams said, no, we don't talk about services. We talk about products. And the architecture, maybe talk about applications. So we have different constructs, application, product, services. What are we delivering to the business? Well, that's what we need to agree on. We, we deliver to the business something and they need to recognize it. I'm fine, whatever you call it, a product. Uh, but it, you need to create a good understanding what other products I deliver and link it to the business processes, of course, and their business capabilities and the customers. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's probably where any journey, digital journey starts. Start with the business model and the customers in there. Understand how the business is enabled by IT. And so it's basically a business capability model, the IT in the sense of business services, IT business services. And that's where it starts. Understanding your service portfolio. And under the business portfolio, you have your infrastructure services and portfolio, workplace services, network services, but that all together needs to be defined. And most organizations don't have this solid foundation of all these services they provide. And the funny thing is they sometimes believe they have it, but I can, the person that listening now onto this conversation, uh, they really need to think about, do I have a good service portfolio? Think about it yourself. And you, if you don't know a single list of all the services, there's something wrong. And I can assure you, many organizations, when I talk to them, do you have a good overview of your services or products or applications? What call? Then they say, yeah, yeah, I think we do because I have it in the CMDB. It's okay, let's look, go look at your CMDB. They get a list. They get 600 applications in the CMDB. They go to finance and they talk about 300 services. They go to enterprise architecture. They talk about 500 application components. They go to the development teams. They have 600 teams or 100. There's no joint definition of a service or product. And that's really a problem. So we need to fix this problem of, and I call this the service backbone, right? The backbone of IT is understanding the services. It sounds so simple, but, or call it products, right? Digital products, your digital services. Define the owners, uh, define how it enables the business. Then if you have that foundation right, plot it to the right teams, development teams, ops teams. And then you, that's already a good foundation. But it's not about the administration itself. It's about how do you maintain that? And that comes, and then you come back to service management again, right? So yeah, maybe this picture on the back is about that. In the center, we have our products and services and to deliver better, cheaper, faster, you need to fix the, the center. The center is about my products and services. And it sounds so simple, but it's not that simple, right? It's very complex because how do you maintain this simple list of services? It sounds so simple, but I can assure you can only do that once you have define together a principle that we say, oh, we, if we develop something and we invest in something, if we need to register this product first or service, get an ID, get a name, get an owner, we put it somewhere, appoint an, an, an administration, what is the master? And if somebody wants to buy licenses, contract management says, oh, is this service on the list? No, I cannot assign a contract. Uh, if I want to do a project or, or I want to assign a team and they say, hey, where is, my, is the product not defined? Then I cannot do this. That's what you need. You need to kind of discipline and say, we, we, we need to create this. And it sounds like bureaucracy, but it's not. It's about lean and agile. Because what is lean and agile about? Lean is about lean administration and we don't so, uh, update things later on. So we do it at the way we do. So if we start working on a new project or a new initiative, we need to create a product ID or service ID. And then you can arrange your contract. It's like the same as traceability it's not about administration about traceability and lean way of working so we don't need to solve administration later on 
And, and uh, that's where people typically see service management administration as, as a bureaucracy or as a sort of overhead. This is not overhead. This is your fabric to create a digital lean enterprise. The fabric is traceability. And the fabric is basically, and it's in the bottom again, the, the products and services you have. Because everything in, you do in IT is linked to your products and services. Is it a new initiative, new demand? Is it a requirement? Is it an incident? Is it a change? Is it a cost? Is it a contract? All linked to your products. So I can assure you, if you don't have a good product backbone, your service is defined, you cannot manage IT efficiently. Now, and it's not about setting up a seem to be, right? Because that won't solve, no, it's, it's about how do you maintain this list of services first? And it's about service introduction management, right? It, and there doesn't exist a process. In the past, we had service strategy in ITO v3, it's service portfolio management sitting in there. But somehow we never implemented this kind of philosophy that Everything we do in IT, we start to create a service introduction first. We create an ID and a name, an owner. Uh, I was working for a large um, oil company where they had about 6,000 projects per year, right? And, and, and it's about one, one and a half billion uh, cost for that. And then I said, let's link projects to applications. I, I didn't want to call them services, but just applications. So we can link applications and, and projects. And they're looking at me, the PMOs are, well, the project managers knows. I said, well, the project manager knows, but we, we don't even have a good application list. But once we started to do that, every initiative is linked to a, an application or a product. After that, all the applications were updated automatically. We get inside what has been delivered. We get inside, if, do we do the right project? Do we, do we get, generate the value to our customers? And we could reduce cost with 30% of the in project investment in the right set because only to create visibility, only create transparency to do that. It's not about linking it. It's about what value do we get out of that? And for me, linking and, and is so important. We misunderstood what that means because it's really about traceability and transparency again. Everything we do in IT needs to be traced back to value. Now, value and risk and cost can only be traced back to the product or the service because it's not about a project. A project doesn't deliver value. No, it's the outcome of a project, basically a service or an application, meaning everything needs to be traced back to that. And if we can do that very cleverly, yeah, we have we have gold. So transparency and traceability is the new superpower, I always say. To get superpower in your IT organization, the only thing you have to do is create transparency traceability. That's a simple thing you need to do. And and, and you have superpowers for your digital delivery. <laughs> I only laugh because, as simple as that. I only laugh because that's simple. That's like, oh, the three keys to a good marriage are, you know, given <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's yeah. Different. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Something so, like that. <laughs> something like that. Not married 20 years almost. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate you being on for the first uh, episode, Rob. This is a lot of information to take in. Uh, audience, stay tuned for episode two, and uh, we'll have that next week. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much, Jeffrey, and uh, thank you for listening. And have a good digital journey. We'll be back with Jeffrey's closing thoughts. Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey back with closing thoughts. We thank you for joining us. We thank Rob for sharing his expertise on part one of this two-part, two-episode mini-series. It was so good and we didn't want to confine Rob into one small episode. So we said, hey, let's share. Let's make it two. 
So two closing thoughts. One, please understand that ITIL 4 is coming and it's coming quickly, maybe not as quickly as some of the ambassadors wanted to, but your organization is going to have to adapt. I'm not even saying adopt, but adapt to that as things start catching on, as the tool makers start catching on. And so be thinking of how can we implement slow in, uh, increments of ITIL 4 as we go along. Service management leadership, we can help you with that. But second of all, another thing we can help you with that is probably just as key or bigger for most organizations is the integration of ITIL and other frameworks like Agile and DevOps. Rob and I get into that in the next uh, next episode, so stay tuned. But this is a big deal for many organizations, is how do we incorporate what we do really well in our ITIL processes and what we want to do really well in our Agile delivery? How do we make that into a, a nice marriage? And many organizations are facing that. We can help you. Many organizations can help you. But be thinking of that in a strategic mindset. And Rob and I will have more discussion on that next episode. Thank you once again for joining us. This is Jeffrey, and I hope you have a great, great day.